chapter 51. Psalm chapter 51. This series is called Unshakable because we live in a very unstable world. Do you agree with me? I mean, it's crazy. Inflation, highest it's been in 40 years. I was talking to one of our missionaries that lives in Belgium. And, you know, I heard as much as anyone else when I fill up my tank with gas. But I'm glad I'm here in the U.S. instead of in Europe because their inflation is about double what ours is. Our stock market has plummeted to almost a bare condition. Racial hatred has increased over the last 10 years. My goodness, it should be decreasing, but we see more and more hate crimes. I never in my life would have thought that I would have seen an attack on our own Capitol building in Washington, D.C., particularly by our own citizens. Our churches, our communities... Our schools are more polarized than ever before. We live in a very unstable time. And we need something of stability to place our trust in and to place our hope in. Otherwise, we'll just be bobbing around like a, you know, a, a cork in the ocean. We'll be bobbing around emotionally. We'll be bobbing around looking for for hope, looking for something to, to really anchor our soul in. And we all know that that person is Jesus. Jesus Christ. It's not about religion. It's not about a church. It's not about ritual. It's not about liturgy. In fact, the Lord gave Bethany a word as we're worshiping about we need to break out of some of our traditions. We need to break out out of some of those things that have held us back from really knowing Jesus in an intimate way. If you knew Dodie, you knew someone that walked closely with Jesus, who heard from Jesus, who exemplified Jesus. I want something that sure in my life that my faith can be unshakable. So toward that end, I'm going to give to you this morning a memory verse. How many years has it been since you had a memory verse? Well, I'll give you four weeks to memorize it, okay? It's really a very simple verse. You'll see it here on the screen. It's in Isaiah chapter number 62. And this is the core verse for our series. Here it comes. Wait on it. You ready? It's almost there. Psalm 62. Yeah, Isaiah. Uh, no, Psalm 62. Okay, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Or I can just look it up and we can quote it here right from the word. He alone is my rock and my salvation. 
Will you say that with me? He alone is my rock and salvation. Say it again. He alone is my rock and my salvation. And then the second part says, my fortress where I will never be shaken. Now think about that for a minute. He is your fortress, not the church, not relationships with church people. Your fortress is found in Jesus Christ. My fortress is the Lord. That's where we find the place that will never be shaken. So let's do it again. He alone is my rock and salvation. My fortress where I will never be shaken. I really am sincere when I want you to memorize that. It's a simple verse, but a verse that I think will help us in the days ahead. And as I said, I want to talk about having this immovable quality of character, about being the kind of person who is so solidly planted in your emotional life and your spiritual life and your purpose of life that no amount of chaos around you can move you. Where you can say as David did, God alone is my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Now I know that we're going to get a little rattled We do when we watch the news, when we hear about what's happening. We get rattled from time to time, and sometimes the ground underneath our feet feels like it's beginning to uh, maybe crumble a little bit. And maybe we get off balance, and we have to take an extra step in order to catch our balance. But even in those times, I want you to know that God is your rock and salvation. And in your relationship with him, you will not be shaken. And that's really a nutshell of where I'm going the next four weeks. God's your rock. You do not need to fear. With Jesus as your fortress, you can be unshakable. Maybe not unrattled, but you can be unshakable. And if you want your life to be unshakable, it's got to be built on that foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ, where he is your rock, he is your fortress, not church, not religion, not your style of worship, not uh, your favorite Bible teacher, but Jesus alone. And that's what we need to examine. That's the question we need to ask ourselves And we will today and we will the next three weeks. We'll look at the different kinds of chaoses in our life that we encounter and how we should deal with them. So that even though we get rattled, we won't be shaken. And so today I want to talk to you about the worst kind of chaos at all. And that is the chaos that we create for ourselves. I saw a meme on Facebook a few months ago. I wrote it down. It said, everything happens for a reason. Sometimes the reason is that you make bad decisions. I thought, boy, that's really true, isn't it? I mean, that might not be the most diplomatic way of saying it, but it rings true. We were talking in our men's group on Thursday morning just about making dumb mistakes. (laughs) Sometimes we find ourselves in chaos... And we've got to own up to the role 
in the chaos that we've created. You'll never get better unless you accept the responsibility that you have for that chaos that has come into your life. And that's why I want to look today at the character of King David. Now, I want to remind you before we start through our journey that King David was a man after God's own heart. A man who loved God, a man who served God. Not a perfect man, but a man who knew where to run when he created his own chaos. This is the King David that we studied about when we were little kids in Sunday school, who took down Goliath. This is the King David we're going to talk about today who established Jerusalem as the capital of his kingdom. He's the one that led Israel into battle. He's the one that wrote most of the Psalms. Yet this great leader that we know as King David did things that you would not expect a man of God to do. Just like sometimes you probably do things that you wouldn't expect yourself to do. Now in David's case, it began one late afternoon, and he's taking a walk on the roof of his house. That reference might be strange to you because you probably aren't able to walk on the roof of your house. It's probably a pitched roof. But back then, the houses of the wealthy, the rich, had large roofs and they were flat. And they served as gardens and patios and outdoor entertainment areas. And David was walking on the roof or the garden of his house and he looks and he saw in a distance this beautiful woman who was sunbathing. And he continued to look. Her name was Bathsheba. It didn't matter to David at that juncture that this was another man's wife. It didn't matter that it was the wife of one of the soldiers under his command. He was overcome with lust. He seduced her. He raped her. Her husband wasn't home. He was at battle because that's where David had sent him and that's where David should have been. And if you know anything about the story, a few weeks after the encounter with Sheba informed David that she was pregnant. So he hatched a plot that maybe he could make it look like her husband Uriah was the father. So he sent for Uriah, brought him back to Jerusalem from the battlefield, and said, Uriah, man, you have been battling really hard, and I just want you to take a little R&R. Why don't you go home, spend time with your wife? And Uriah said, oh, no, that's not the time for that. It would be wrong for me to be with my wife when all my other brothers are out on the battlefield. A man of honor and character. He didn't go home to Bathsheba. David gave Uriah a letter, a sealed letter, telling him to return to the battlefield and to give that letter to his commanding officer. And that letter gave instructions to the commander to put Uriah on the very front lines because David was hoping he would be killed. 
get rid of the husband. He was trying to cover this sin up. (laughs) Well, the commander did exactly what General David said to do. He followed the orders, and sure enough, Uriah's life was taken. And soon after that, poor Bathsheba was a widow, but she was also free to marry David. A few months later, their son was born, and David breathed a big sigh of relief. Ah, he thought he had gotten away with it, but soon he found out different, because God knows all about us. He knows all about our heart. He knows all about the way that we try to manipulate the chaos that we create by our sins, by our stupidity, by our wrong decisions. God sent a man into David's life by the name of Nathan, who was a prophet. And there was a conversation that ensued, and it led David to a time of real soul-searching and ultimately repentance and thankfully restoration. And it was during that time of soul-searching that David wrote the 51st Psalm. This contains some of the most personal and poignant words in all of Scripture. And I want us to take a look at some of these verses and a few others this morning. As we learn how to correct self-inflicted chaos. <laughs> Why don't you stand and stretch your legs in out of respect for the reading of God's word. Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins, wash me clean from my guilt and purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honestly before the, uh, but you desire honesty from the womb teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sin and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give back my joy again. You've broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your way to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I'll joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit. 
with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of King David. Not only the great things he did, but the things he did when he found himself in a mess because of his own sin. May we learn from David this morning as we sometimes sin, sometimes we just make stupid decisions, and we find ourselves in the midst of chaos. Help us, oh God, to realize that you are our fortress, and we can be unshakable even in those times if our trust is in you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Maybe our sins, you know, aren't as bad as David, but I guarantee every one of us have sin in our life. I'm sure every one of us has created chaos for ourselves through our selfishness, through our stubbornness, maybe, <laughs> maybe through our disobedience. And man, anytime we play games with, with sin, we're going to lose in the long run. It never fails, friends. There's only one thing that sin does in our life, and that is wreak havoc. Chaos really is sin's second name. So what do we do about chaos in our life if we have either sinned or been selfish or just made a bad decision? Number one, we need to confront the cause. That's the first thing David did. You and I need to ask ourselves, what created this mess I'm in? Specifically, ask yourself, did I do anything that contributed to this mess? Where did I go wrong? Now, the temptation all too often is to blame somebody else for our problems. After all, it's not my fault that I lost my temper because you've provoked me. What? It's not my fault that I committed sexual sin because she tempted me. What? We all play those kind of games. It's not my fault that I got fired from my job for insubordination. My boss is an idiot. And on and on it goes. Every one of us tend to blame somebody else for the situation we're in. And refusing to acknowledge your role in the chaos will only ensure that more chaos will continue in your life. Because nothing's going to change. That's why David had to come clean. That's why when we're in the middle of a mess, we need to ask ourselves... What role did I play in all of this? And if it's because of sinful disobedience, you need to acknowledge it, confess it, repent. If it's because of selfishness, you need to acknowledge that. Ask God to make you a servant of others instead of expecting everyone to cater to your needs. If it's because of stupidity, you need to say, God, I'm sorry that I made a decision on my own. Your Bible's very clear that I need to ask the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Your Bible's very clear that there's safety in the counsel of many. I should have gotten counsel. So whether it's a sin or just a bad decision, 
we need to acknowledge our part. David did, didn't he? Verse 3, look at it. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you I have sinned and know what's evil. He begins the psalm by asking for mercy. Saying, wash me from my iniquity. Friends, we cannot unchaos our life until we're ready to own up to our own responsibilities. And the good news is when we own up to it, when we bring it to God, when we confess it, the Bible says he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now, you might still have a mess to deal with. You still might have consequences, but you can deal with it now with the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that you've aligned yourself back with God. Now, some of you might say, yeah, my life is a roller coaster now. But it's really not because of my willful disobedience. It's because I made some choices that I shouldn't have made. Choices that maybe weren't so smart. I wasn't trying to do wrong. I wasn't trying to sin. I just made a bad choice. I took a wrong job or I hired the wrong person or I made the wrong investment. or It wasn't intentional. I want you to know the process for dealing with the chaos is still exactly the same. You confront the cause of the chaos. You acknowledge your role in everything that's going on. Acknowledging whether it's a sinful behavior or simply a not-so-wise decision is the first step to dealing with the chaos and finding that fortress in Jesus Christ where you can be unshakable. The second thing you need to do once you acknowledge your part is to correct your course. Correct your course. It's not enough to say, where'd I go wrong? We need to ask ourselves some related questions like, well, what could have I have done differently? And now, what should I do? It's like driving down the road, taking a wrong exit on a freeway, and saying, whoops, I, I goofed. I took the wrong exit. That's still not going to get you back on course, is it? You're going to have to adjust, and you're going to have to get back on course. So we acknowledge, but we also need to adjust our course. When things begin to get heated and the, uh, you know, the misunderstanding escalates, maybe you should have just stopped talking right there <laughs> and started listening to the other person. Maybe you should just ask for a short break and say, I'm sorry, I just need 10 minutes to kind of process all this to put a bridle on my temper. Maybe in relationships, if we stopped at the time that we knew things were getting out of control and asked the Holy Spirit to help us to hear him, maybe that would help us to avoid some of those chaotic and unfortunate encounters. 
when David had this encounter with Bathsheba, first of all, he should not have even been home. When you think about it, he should have been on the battlefield with the rest of the army. So first of all, David made a bad decision. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time. As a military leader, he should have been with his troops, but he wasn't. He was at home living this life of luxury and girl watching. (laughs) And when David saw Bathsheba from a distance, he could have turned away. He could have called one of his own wives to come and spend time with him. And yes, I said wives. David had multiple wives. There's eight that we know by name. He could have turned away from the temptation and turned toward those that God had given him. Here's what I'm saying. If you want to minimize the chaos in your life, you've got to develop some kind of a strategy in advance for dealing with the temptation. That's why these altars are just so important to come down and to commit yourself and say, Lord, this week when I'm tempted to do this, with your help, this is going to be my strategy. Don't wait until the heat of the moment because you'll lose every time. Develop a strategy ahead of time. Decide beforehand how you are going to handle any given situation. You know, during a football game, we all enjoy football, or most of us do. If a team faces this, you know, third and 12 situation, do you think the coach stands on the sidelines and says, well, I wonder what we should do now? Hmm, third and 12, I wonder what we should do. Absolutely not. They have watched films. They know their opponents. They have in their mind a strategy for whatever situation they find themselves in. And when third and 12 comes up, the coach has a guideline to go by. You and I need to have that kind of strategy ahead of time. If you know you're going to have a situation that's going to be confrontational and might be out of hand, You need to have a strategy ahead of time so you can adjust your course. Man, if you have a history of making really rash decisions that always seem to come back to haunt you, put a plan in place. Next time you feel pressured to make a decision too soon, have the steps lined out that you're going to take. If your past behavior keeps creating chaos in your life, it's time to correct the course. Ask yourself, what could I have done differently? What should I do differently next time? One more step this morning. One more step I want to encourage you to take. You do need to confront the cause of the chaos. You do need to correct the course of the chaos. And the third thing is you need to create accountability. Accountability. After David had committed adultery, he had committed murder, the prophet Nathan came to him, talked to him, had a relationship, I believe, where David was open and willing to hear from Nathan, even though it was a rebuke. 
Now, Nathan didn't just walk in off the street, start scolding David. What's wrong with you? There's sin in your life. No. David knew Nathan. He was a court prophet. Nathan already had a relationship with David. He already had credibility with David. So God used a man that David trusted to confront him with his sin. I remember one time years and years ago, and it wasn't a sin, but it was a decision I had made. And Pastor Darth came into my office and so gently said, you know, Pastor, I think maybe you need to reconsider that. And he laid out why he thought I should reconsider it. And he prayed with me. Was it a rebuke? No, but it was a corrective voice into my life. But why was I willing to listen to Pastor Darth? Because I trusted him already. I had relationship. I had accountability. David was saved by Nathan and Nathan's ability to speak into his life because David had already allowed Nathan to win his life. You and I need to create accountability. That's what I'm saying. I mean, one thing that David got right, I think, during this whole debacle is that he was willing to listen to the counsel of godly man. It was Nathan's words that finally got David to initiate this process of repentance. And I think each and every one of us here, each and every one of us listening on live stream, we need to ask God to send somebody into our life that can be that kind of accountability partner in areas that matter most. Do you have someone that can speak truth into your life without you getting ultra-defensive? How do you choose an accountability partner? How do you decide who will have the freedom to call you on the carpet when you need to? I want to just give you a couple suggestions as we wrap this thing up. First of all, choose a person of integrity. Okay? Someone whose own life is in order. Yesterday I heard multiple people say, you know, I could trust Dodie with my prayer request. I could trust Dodie with my, my desires, my selfishness, my sin. I could confess anything to Dodie because I knew it would not go any farther. She would simply pray for me. See, because she had established herself in our midst as a person of integrity. That's most often the difference between those who offer wise counsel and those who just like to meddle in our lives. <laughs> and you'll find a lot of people who want to meddle in your life and tell you what to do and keep you accountable. But if their own life is not in alignment with Christ, they're probably not in any shape to help you straighten yours out. You know, choose an accountability partner that is walking the talk. Second thing you want to do is choose a person who's committed to you, to you personally. I'm talking about a person who is more concerned about your holiness than they are your happiness. Someone who has the courage to say, this decision may make you a little unhappy for a while, but ultimately, trust me, it's going to make you more like Jesus. 
That's what Solomon said in Proverbs 27, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And then third, as you think about this, and I, I mean this sincerely, I want you to memorize Psalm 62 too, but I also do want you to be praying about who can you embrace as your accountability partner to help you with the chaos of life. The third thing you want to choose is a person who is equally accountable. What I mean by that, a person who respects your opinion and your perspective as well. Not just someone that's going to force things down your, your, your throat, but someone who will talk with you, dialogue, listen to you. Solomon said this in Proverbs 27, iron sharpens iron like one man sharpens another. See, this accountability thing has to be reciprocal. It's not a person who says from a distance, hey, this is what you need to do. It's a person who is walking with you and saying, hey, this is what I think you should do. Why don't you consider it? Take it to the Lord. And no matter what, I'm going to walk through this with you. Let's get God's wisdom on this matter. Let's put biblical principles into practice. Let's get back on track together. Now, I know that kind of a person's a rare find. They're few and far between. But just like God sent Nathan to his life, I believe in this season of time, he is going to send people like that into our lives who will always point us back to the fortress, Jesus. And in the fortress, we will be unshakable. I used quite a few additional scriptures this morning from Proverbs. Proverbs was written by a guy named Solomon, whom the Bible calls the wisest man who ever lived. Do you know who Solomon's parents were? David and Bathsheba. David and Bathsheba. After David messed up his life big time, and listen, because maybe you think you have messed things up so much that there's no way out. But after David messed up his life big time, he was able to restore the chaos because he sought forgiveness He repented. He sought restoration. He did marry Bathsheba. The son Solomon was born, and that son was destined for greatness. Solomon, the wisest man that's ever lived. Now, friends, I in no way am dismissing the gravity of David's sin. But it tells me one thing. God can take the most out-of-control situation, the most chaotic situation of our life, and he can bring it back to peace and stability if we will only trust him. If you're in the middle of a chaotic moment in your life, I want you to know God can redeem your situation. If you respond the way that David responded, You can overcome the chaos, even if the chaos was a result of something you did. Confront it head on. Ask the right questions. Listen to the right people. 
follow the right steps. And I believe through the power of God, our chaotic life can lead to restoration with Christ and can give us stability and peace and an unshakable spirit in a very unstable time. Bow your head for just a moment and let the Holy Spirit speak into your life. Let the Holy Spirit show you anything in your life that perhaps has been a result of your own sinfulness. Or perhaps a decision you made that you should have received counsel. Or a decision that you rejected counsel because you wanted to do your way no matter what other people thought. And if you have a situation like that in your life, I encourage you right now in these closing moments in the quietness of our time with the Lord. Acknowledge the cause. And then ask the Holy Spirit to help you to correct the course. What steps do you need to make now to correct the course? And then when you take just a moment, would you reflect who is God sending into your life that can be that faithful friend that walks with you through chaos? Who you trust enough that they can speak truth into your life? Ask the Lord to show you that accountability partner that'll help you to be unshakable because that accountability partner will lead you back to the fortress. We trust in you alone, God. You alone. You're our fortress. And in you, even though we have chaotic moments in our life, we can be unshakable. Let's stand together.